the memories. The clock is down to 48 seconds. 20 to 10, Colorado leads Nebraska. They have waited a long time for this. So many times, the red blood has come into Folsom Field, and they have gone back across the border to the north, the winner. It won't be this time. The Stories. Prukop to the corner for Carrington, intercepted! Colorado got it! Witherspoon! With the biggest play in Colorado football for years! And now, as a supplement to over 40 years worth of CU football coverage in the CU at the Game archives, here is Stewart with his CU at the Game podcast. Greetings, Buff fans, from CU at the Game. This is Stuart Whitehair, publisher and editor for the CU at the Game website and your host for the CU at the Game podcast. Welcome back to our NIL interview series. In this episode, we are introduced to senior wide receiver Daniel Arias. While Arias, like many of his upper-class teammates, has gone through three coaching changes while at CU, his compelling story starts long before he became a buff. Arias was born in the Dominican Republic, and there were times when there was no electricity or running water in his house. Daniel's mother moved to Washington State, bringing Daniel and his siblings to the United States when he was only six. Overcoming a lisp and a language barrier, Arias became an excellent student, with his speed bringing about his introduction to the game of football and, ultimately, to the University of Colorado. Setting a school single-season record for forced fair catches as a freshman, Arias would likely become CU's all-time leader in that category this fall. Now a starter at wide receiver, Arias has a goal of 1,500 yards receiving and 20 touchdowns in 2022. So, how was Daniel's first career touchdown, a 37-yarder against Washington in his freshman season, quite literally a dream come true? Who is Reggie Moore, and what impact did Coach Moore have on Daniel's development at CU? And what is it about the current coaching staff that makes Arias say that it's fun to play football now? Let's find out. Okay, and we're back. And we are talking with senior CU wide receiver, Daniel Arias. Welcome to the podcast. Appreciate it. Thank you. We were just talking a little bit before that uh, you just graduated a couple of weeks ago. Congratulations on that. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Your degrees in uh, what? Strategic communications. Yes, sir. And then with a minor in business and communications. Excellent. So we'll talk about your your future a little bit, but we're going to talk a little bit back about your past to get started. Normally, I like to talk about um, start at the recruiting process, but your story goes back even further than that. Your family story is an interesting one that uh, how you got to, well, you came from the state of Washington to the Colorado, but how you got it to the the state of Washington. So tell us a little bit about your your family history and how you ended up in uh, the Seattle area. So um, I was born in the Dominican Republic in the capital of Santo Domingo. 
Um, you know, life was life was tough growing up. I didn't really, I wasn't raised as like the kids you see nowadays, where they get put into bed and they get told stories and stuff like that. My childhood was was really different. It was really hard, and I don't know if you guys know how it is in the Dominican Republic, but it's it's hard. It's because we lived in the poor side. So there were days that we didn't have electricity at the house. There were days where the water wouldn't come through the shower head and we couldn't take showers. And my family, my mom had to go to this well and like fill up, fill up like a bucket of water. And that's what we would use to like take showers. And I did go to, I, did, went, to, I went to this small school. It wasn't that really good of a school. It was actually really weird. I can't really remember all the details of how it was, but um my sister went to a separate school than us I was with my brothers so my brother and I stayed with my dad and then my sister stayed with our grandma my mom didn't want the girl and the guys living together so we were separated when we were growing up yeah I lived there since I was like six I moved we moved here we came to the U.S. officially when I was like seven years old I don't know why but my mom fell in love with Seattle um, I mean, out of all the different states, we she chose the one that rains the most. So it was kind of, <laughs> yeah, you know, I actually, I actually started playing soccer before I started playing football. And my family now they they make fun of me because I'm playing the wrong sport, and they say right. that I'm not part of the family because Dominicans were were known for playing baseball. Right. And I'm, when I went back there two summers ago. I was explaining the like the game of football to them and they were confused like what's a football how do you throw it how do you what's this game or why do you even why do you even get it into this game and so I had to like so like explain to my family my cousins what the game of football is and explain to them what I do I'm a wide receiver and what I'm supposed to do what my job is and so, so that was that was really fun but yeah so I we came from the Dominican Republic to the U.S. I didn't speak no English. Okay. No English. I had a bad lisp. I had a really bad lisp. But uh, I watched a lot of cartoons, and I, I like had a lot of teachers that would always help me when I was in the classroom and stuff. So eventually, my English started getting better and better and better. And then it's to the point where people say that they don't hear an accent. I don't know how. It's kind of weird, but um, I think I don't have an accent anymore. So yeah, we moved. We moved from the Dominican Republic to the U.S. I started playing soccer, and my brother started playing baseball, and in the U.S. And you know, I fell in love with soccer. I was a tall, scrawny kid on the field, and I was just really fast and just really good at defense. So I just kept playing and playing. And I got to my my seventh, the seventh grade of like middle school. I was walking in the hallways and. At this point, and then my, now my brother was playing football. He was the one that was in love with the sport. I was still playing soccer. Okay. One of the coaches came up to me. He's like, "Daniel, you should try out for the football team." And I was like, oh, "I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the sport is like and stuff like that." So, uh, eventually, I gave in. I said, "Okay, I'm gonna try out." And you know, I started playing, and it turned out I was actually kind of good. I was fast. I was really skinny, but I was, I was, I was good. And they always gave me the ball and. I tend to score and it got to a point. I was like, you know what? I think I'm kind of good at this. I'm like, (laughs) enjoying the adulation that comes with scoring all the time and being faster than everybody else on the field. Yeah. So then I just, just kept playing the game and 
my eighth grade, when I was in eighth grade, the head coach came to me. He's like, hey, Daniel, you have the attention of the varsity, the varsity coach at the high school next door. Because our, our high, the high school is like right next door to like the middle school. Okay. So, so then at that point, I'm like, uh, I mean, I'm just playing. I, I don't know anything about football, but grab the ball and run and then score. And then everybody's happy. That's all I knew at that point. So, um, and I didn't, I didn't speak English really well. So I didn't really understand what he was telling me. And at that point, like if the varsity coach was looking at you, if you're in middle school, I guess it's like really, it's big, it's big news. Uh-huh. So graduated eighth grade. It was fun. I had a, had a really good career in middle school. I was actually working at the farm. So my uncle's farm is in Seattle, like an hour away from the house that we're at or that we live at back in Seattle. And I was working there. I was working there every summer. And the summer of my freshman of my freshman year of high school, I didn't know we had practice in the summer. So one of the the QBs called me. He's like, "Hey, Daniel, where are you at? Football season already started." <laughs> I'm like, I'm in the farm. I, I don't know what I was doing that day. I think I was messing around with the horses. But I told my uncle, like, "Listen, like, I gotta cut the summer the summer short. I got I got football practice right now. I have to I have to go." Eventually, I made it. I was like a week late. <laughs> so, so you had a, a an excellent high school career. It looks like you were not only all state as a wide receiver, but you're also getting accolades as defensive back. Was yeah. there any chance that you were going to try for a scholarship uh, playing defensive backfield, or is it always going to be a wide receiver? It's always going to be wide receiver. Um, the reason why I played defensive back was just because in high school you you tend to pull, uh, play both ways, and like we didn't have enough guys that was able to like play that position during that time. So then my coach made me play literally everything. So I was in I was on the field all the time, every time. So there was no break. But you know I was young, so I didn't really I don't really remember if I was actually tired or not. But I mean it was fun being able to play both sides, but I don't know. I just fell in love playing wide receiver. I don't know if I could see myself playing defensive back. Okay. So you're getting offers now as you get into high school and stuff like that. Was your school one of the more predominant schools that had lots of, lots of recruits and lots of recruiting going on, or is it uh, a school where you were kind of one of the few that was getting offers from all over the country? Yeah, I my school isn't really the top the top notch yeah I was just one of the few that was getting offers during the time I was in in high school so yeah I mean there's a couple other guys that did get offers and stuff like that so they were the ones that sort of like explained to me like this is what a scholarship is this is what it does for you and stuff because I didn't know at this point right I was wondering yeah how how educated you were in the the process I I was new to the whole deal like all I knew was even in my freshman year sophomore year junior year you have to run certain routes catch the ball and score try to outrun everybody that's all i knew <laughs> well you obviously uh, were pretty good at that you had offers from all over the country in addition to colorado utah and oregon state from the pac-12 schools like michigan state and we we're talking about you know obviously academics was not a problem you're getting offers from places like yale and Cornell and Navy and stuff, the Air Force, those types of schools. Probably your mom didn't want you to stray too far. How did you end up 
committing to the University of Colorado as part of the class of, uh, I guess it would be 2018. Yeah, so, you know, I was actually going to go to Utah. That was my my number one. I had a top five, and Utah was number one. And I was like two day, or two weeks before signing week when the receiver coach at the time um, came to my – or not, he didn't come to my house. He came to my school, and we sat in this room. The light was like in the center of the room. So it was just him and I, and – he just changed my mind. He just flipped the switch and, and I came here. So yeah, I like the whole plan was to go to Utah, but after that conversation with the uh, receiver coach at that time, uh, he was, he was one that changed my mind. And then also too, uh, when I came here, it just felt like it was home. Like I felt really welcomed by the, by the athletes during that time, during my recruitment. And I just felt like I was already a part of the team. I was being treated like I was already a part of the team. And it just it just felt right being here, coming here. So then that's why I made my decision. I just put everything together and I just made the decision to come to Colorado. Okay. My mom really wanted me to go to UW, but I just felt like I needed to be somewhere not home. I needed to learn how to be independent and right. and to see the world. I don't I don't know. I've been in Seattle all that long and just felt like it was smart to go somewhere else. Right. 2018 was your, you got to play as a true freshman and you actually made the all academic first team. And you set a CU record on special teams for 13 forced fair catches. Is that uh, something that you uh, were aware of at the time that you set a single season school record for forced fair catches? No, I didn't. I didn't even hear about that until I think it was like my junior years when I heard that I have a record on that. And the books. Uh, but no, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't really. To be honest, I really don't care too much. I'm just there to just play and just do whatever I can to help the team win. So if a freak catches and I help the team win, I'm going to be happy with that. I mean, it's also it's also when I would when I would run downfield and. I would see like the the punt return like waving their their hand. I'd be like, "Oh, thank you, Lord." So just, <laughs> don't have to chase them. Don't have to worry about it. Just stand next to them and watch them catch the ball. <laughs> yeah, well, so yeah. I always I always loved that feeling when they would always fair catch and like that was always my goal. Like Daniel, try to always make him fair catch. I'd like put a lot of pressure on them to just see that fair catch. So I mean that was just always my my goal and you know I, I had fun with it because like I knew I was faster than than the guy in front of me and I just like I just had confidence that I was gonna get there before him and and stop the the guy from trying to run the ball. Yeah, well your as fate would have it, your one catch of the season not only was against Washington, not only was in Seattle, <laughs> but it was a thirty seven yard touchdown. So uh, tell us what it was like to get your first career reception, be a touchdown, and do it in your hometown. It was honestly like I didn't even I didn't know what to think. It was it happened by so fast that it just there was a lot of, a lot of excitement. You know, it's actually weird because that same catch I had a dream about, and I was thinking about how was the different ways I was going to catch that ball because uh, the receiver the OC at that time was telling me that they were going to throw me that ball. And we practiced it a couple times during practice and all that. 
and I was just dreaming. I was in bed that day at the, in the hotel, and I was just dreaming of different ways I was I was gonna catch the ball. And like the same way I caught it was the same way I had a dream about it. Oh, so right. it was really, <laughs> it was it was really really weird. But I mean, it was cool. All my family was there. My brother was there. I don't know it was just a really cool experience. And I just I, I want to get that feeling back because it's always good to score it's always it's always nice when you could do something to help the team I know like in high school like I I always scored always so it just became normal that I scored handed the ball to the ref and just ran to the bench and that was it and I just I want to be able to like get that feeling again It's, it's such a I don't know how to explain that feeling but it's such a good feeling like just being able to just score and this it's all your work all the hard work you put in through the week is like now showing when it matters and so in front of fans in front of people that are watching you so yeah okay well in the off season there was a coaching change and you talk about mike mcintyre the you know the staff that recruited you now you had mel tucker for the 2019 season played in all 12 games 11 on special teams 107 plays you Eight more forced fair catches, adding to your total, and uh, had another touchdown. Uh, this time it was against Utah. What do you remember about the uh, the Mel Tucker year? What do you remember about that season? It was very, it was very intense. It was very, it was it was different from uh, the recent coaches. It was more. I don't know, more yelling, more, more, there was more intense, like off the field, on the field. But like, I don't know, he didn't really talk to the receivers much because like uh, Chev was a receiver coach at that time and he was handling his business there in that area. So he didn't really talk to us much. He was more, he he, he talked more to the defense because he was a defensive coach in the NFL. So that was like his area. So he's, he was always talking to them. But uh, no, he was a he was a great guy. I mean, honestly, that day that we heard the news, I was I was sleeping, and I think it was like five in the morning when we were getting ready to go. I was my my alarm didn't even like go off yet. My roommate woke up before me and told me the news, and I was like, "Wow, like that's so crazy!" Just because he was saying that he was a buff for life the other day, and then now yeah. that morning it was like he was gone. So. I mean, I understand it's like it's all about business. So, and like being older, I now realize that. So, like I understand, and you just have to just keep moving forward. But still, it had to be. You know, now you're going into a 2020 season. Not only got COVID to deal with, but you're dealing with your third head coach in three seasons, being a buff. Any thoughts that you, you know, maybe you dub or you do University of Utah or Hawaii would have been a a better choice where you didn't have to go through three coaches in three years? You know, I was, I was still really young. Um, I was still learning and I wasn't like, those thoughts weren't really going through my head and I'm a really positive person, even though like bad things might happen to me. I so I try to find a way to be positive and, you know, I just kept myself uh, positive and kept myself up and reminded myself, like, I'm here to just keep working and it's going to work out. Something good is going to come from all of this. So I just kept my head up. I didn't really let the negative thoughts come to my head just because, like, there's just no point. Like, you're going to negative self-talk to yourself and then then what? Like, what's what's next? So 
Like I said, I, I like to stay positive a lot with everything I do. And that's sort of what I did the whole time that was all going on. I mean, I did talk to my teammates and there were some rumors of other guys trying to leave and all that and not trusting the, the coaches that are there is because they say one thing one day and then something else the next day. So when I heard all those conversations, but I still tried to stay positive. I, I kept my head up and I, I had the right people in my life to keep me up and keep reminding me like, hey, listen, Daniel, I know it's bad right now. I know it's not the way you want it to go, but it didn't get better. Just trust the process. Just keep working. And, you know, I did that. And I mean, I hope it pays off this year because I put a lot of work and a lot of tears and just been through a lot. And I just want to be able to just make a name for myself and represent for my my people that are watching me from home yeah so the COVID year you, you earned your first starts at wide receiver without fans in the stands was it uh, the same feeling that you actually got to have uh, got to be in the starting lineup but there was nobody there to cheer you on how how weird was the 2020 season I mean to be honest it wasn't really weird at all okay um like it was not weird at all. I mean, that was my first time really playing. So, like, I didn't really have a lot of experience just being out there. So it was – everything was just all new to me. The game was all over the place. It was fast because this was, like, actually the first time I'm actually playing. So it was it was really weird. It was it was difficult for me um, to just process everything and, like, slow everything down. And then I got hurt with the with my injury. I had an ankle sprain. It was like a high ankle sprain. So I had to deal with that. So I was playing through that during every game. I don't, but the thing with me is like, like I know how to play through pain. Like I don't like the attention of, okay, look, I'm hurt. I'm hurting. So I'm going to let the coach know. Like I didn't, I didn't really like doing that. Sort of just like pushing through it and, and just just being out there because you're always going to play play through pain. You're not going to always be 100%. So I had to deal with that that year, and it was it was rough. Definitely did get to me to my head just because I don't get hurt, and that was really my first like injury. So it was really hard to like know how to approach it just because it was different. I wasn't able to move how I moved, and it was just a really hard time for me. So. Going back home that winter and just being with my family and just being able to just you know, just be with them and, and share time with them really helped me to just like come back to me because the that and that ankle injury really threw me off. And I mean I've learned a lot since then, but I mean it was just really tough just because that was the first the first injury I really had. But I mean it was a it was a really good experience. I mean, just being able to just play out there, be out there, get some kind of like experience was really nice just because I didn't really get that much playing time my freshman, sophomore year, because I was playing behind Visca. Right. So it was really nice to just finally be out there and stuff. So and now just uh, when that season was over, I went back home for winter break. I came back, then I started putting more time just watching film and being able to recognize defenses and just being more comfortable out there so I did that with uh his name is Reggie Moore uh with the old coach that was there he was helping the receivers the receivers room so I spent a lot of time with them a lot of time with them we just talked um 
through those bad days, through those those good days, he was always there. And, you know, I feel like it's really important to have somebody like that um, in your life in this football, in this uh, sports world, because it's hard. You know, there are days where things don't go your way and there are days when things are going your way. And those bad days, he was always there just trying to keep my head up. And those good days, he was still there. So he was really, he was a really important part of my college experience. Um, fortunately, he did leave. Um, no, he was a really important part of my life and he taught me a lot. We went through a lot. We had a lot of conversations, a lot of conversations about just life, about football, about how to be a, a young man, how to just be a better person and and everything. So I don't know if he's going to hear this, but I, I'm i thankful for, for him and for everything he did for me while he was here. And this was Coach Moore, you said? Yeah, Reggie, Reggie Moore. Yeah, what was his title? What was his... I mean, he wasn't your position coach. What was his role on the staff? He wasn't. He wasn't a coach, but I considered him a coach. It's like he was smart. Oh my goodness, he he was so smart. When we were watching film, he was, and I was just sitting there because at that time, remember how I told you, I just I knew a little bit about football. I didn't know too much, so. And I was curious. I wanted to learn. I wanted to like know what everything, what the game was. So I spent a lot of time with them. And I was just sitting there, just listening to him talk. And all these different words were like coming into my head. And everything was just spinning. I'm like, what does that mean? I was kind of shy to ask him, like, what does that mean? And stuff. But uh, he was a, I think he was a quality control. So he wasn't okay. actually a coach. He was a quality control, but right. we, I don't know exactly how we started talking, but I mean, I'm always looking to like get better. So, and like, I know at that time, like he came here, he introduced himself and he, he said, Hey, if you guys need help, like my door is always open. If you guys want to watch films, come by the swing by the office and we could sit down and watch film. And, you know, I'm always a person that's trying to like, like get better in some type of way. And I, and I took that. That took that in and I went to him and we yeah, we hung out every single day. We got closer every single day. And you know, it's just he become he became a really special person in my life. Great. And when I was through, through hard things, I mean, he was one of the first people I called to just talk and get some advice. So I was it's really important to have the right people in your life. It's really important to have people that can mentor you and that can like keep you sound when you're going through bad times when you're going through good times because you know I feel like you can't it's hard to grow without those kind of people so right yeah well that led into you know this past season 2021 your second junior year with the COVID season not counting on eligibility and you were third on the team 19 catches 237 yards their Oregon State touchdown you were at 43 yards you were wide open but kind of stumbled once you got to the end zone. Did you ever get any grief for that? Or is that? Uh... <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, well, we we uh, we ran that route. I ran that same play, actually, at the Texas game. And we were, we were running that play again during practice. And the coach, the head coach was like, all right, Daniel, you had a chance at, with Texas at that game. I said, let's see what you could do now this game. So 
I don't I really didn't know he was gonna bite that hard on the on the route. Uh-huh. But but he did. And I didn't think I was gonna be that wide open. I was like, <laughs> I looked back for the ball. I'm like, wait, where's my guy at? Like, where's he at? And then I saw the ball and then I caught it. I caught it kind of awkwardly. My coaches were all making fun of me for that. So yeah. I mean it was my first one. So like the first one had to be ugly. That's what I can that's what I can tell you though. But uh, I don't I really don't know why I fell. Like I didn't have to fall, but like I don't know why. I thought it was gonna be kind of cool just falling, but I don't know. I don't I actually don't even know why I fell. So it just <laughs> but you, you <laughs> held on to the ball, that's all that counts. You're still you know, don't grade on uh on uh style points. It was still six points either way. So well now moving on to, to this season. The first time, I mean, you talked about, you know, the coaches, you know, the head coaches going through, which you had, you know, Coach Severini was your position coach, your offensive coordinator for four years throughout all the other changes. Now going into this season, not only now you finally have a head coach that's been here for a while, but now you've got a new offensive coordinator, you've got a new passing game coordinator, and now you've got a new position coach. But it certainly sounds like along the same lines that you were talking about with Coach Moore that you have that kind of relationship with your new position coach. Does that sound pretty accurate that you, uh, you're you enjoying uh, what you've got going this spring? Yeah, I really enjoy just what I like about this uh, code, the new coach, position coach, Phil, is, I don't know, he he puts more, he like puts confidence in you when you're playing out there. I mean, that's what I really like. I really like the just remember how I told you how like you have this feeling inside you when you know somebody's like good people and you know their their thoughts are positive thoughts. Like I feel that I feel that deep inside about him. And it's like it's easy to play for somebody that believes in you and trusts and trusts you. When I'm out there, uh I'm getting the play call, I'm in the I'm in the huddle and it's it's like a play that's supposed to go to me. And I, I just see him from the corner of my eye, just with his with his arms folded like this, and I'm just I'm relaxed. And it's like I, it's like I don't know if this is true, but it's like I, I have like this feeling that he's just okay. This is him right here. And then in my head, I'm like, all right, coach, watch this. So it's like it's like that confidence. It's like that feeling that that he gives me when I'm on the field. It's like I'm meant to do that. Like I'm I'm meant to. I'm meant to play, like make these kind of plays and and stuff. So it's really easy to play for somebody that believes in you and trusts you. And I don't know when he talks, it's like it's like a it's good vibes. Um, he's taught me a lot just the time that he's been here, and it's been it's been really nice just seeing how how differently I play than than I did back then and, and last year, the recent years and stuff like that. So I mean, a lot of credit goes to Coach uh, uh, Coach Moore because he was one that molded me and started like forming my style of play and he helped me a lot and then now that he's gone coach phil has has just stepped up and has like i've started to like gain more trust and we've gotten closer over over the days and over the time so it's been really it's been fun to play football like it's fun to play football now excellent and i was hoping you it's phil mcgoggin yeah okay i mean i I was hoping you were going to say his last name so I wouldn't mis- mispronounce <laughs> it. But uh, you're talking about Coach Phil. That's the the new wide receivers coach that we're 
we're talking about. And I'm going to give you a couple of quotes. And I really probably don't have to give you this quote because this is from you. It's pretty much what you've just been saying. You were asked about him this spring. You said, Coach Phil cares. It's been really, really nice having a coach like him. When your coach puts all that confidence in you, everything is good. We have a coach that believes in you. And it's like this vibe, this feeling that you have where, okay, okay, coach, I got you. I'm going to go out and make a play for you. That's how I feel. So that's almost exactly word for word what you were, what you were just saying, that you have that kind of relationship with your new position coach, Coach Phil. Yeah, and it's just it's like even though like you might I might make some mistakes, it's like Daniel just everybody makes mistakes. What are you gonna do next? What's the, what's the next play gonna look like? So it's like it helps me like stay present because um, I know football is not perfect. You're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna drop the ball. So he just reminds us like clear like clear your mind like what's the next play, and so and that has really helped me a lot. Um, staying focused and not just dwelling on the past, but um, being prepared for the present, what the present holds. So that's why it's just it's just nice just being able to play for a coach like that. That's why I feel like I've been able to just play differently and make plays and haven't done in the past during or during our practice and even the spring game. So it's it's been it was a really fun spring for me. Good. Well, kind of like you know they always talk about preaching with cornerbacks. It's always yeah, have a very short memory. Just move on to the next thing and don't worry about the last play because there's going to be the next play you got to get ready for. Now, Coach Durrell said about you this spring. Uh, this is a quote from uh, from uh, right after spring practices. A guy with his size and speed, you would hope that when he gets a chance to be one on one coverage, we're expecting him to win those battles. He's doing the things we're expecting him to. Your fellow. Wide receiver Montana Lemonius Craig said that you're the guy that can take the top off the defense. So you're the you're the speed guy, the speed that uh, made you a hero in high school when all you knew was to run to the end zone and <laughs> made you the the fair catch king of Colorado. Is that your forte going forward? Is Coach Durrell right when you get those one on ones that uh, that's what we're going to see from from senior Daniel Arias? I mean, I think I think that's what we're going to see a lot this year. Um, I've been given a lot of opportunities during practice, and the way I have been competing, I mean, I've impressed myself, just like the way the things I did during practice, just being comfortable, just being an athlete, just not thinking so much and just playing. I saw a lot about I saw a lot of that during this during this camp, just being an athlete, just playing, adjusting to the ball, making plays that like catching the ball that I wasn't even supposed to catch, like because of different placements that they were at. But yeah, there's a lot of a lot of times that when it was just one on one, I won. And I have that mindset in my head that when the ball's in the air, I'm gonna do whatever I can to come down with that ball. So I mean that's my mindset and that's gonna be my mindset moving forward and for the season. So as time goes on, it's just gonna get better and better. So I just have to just keep working and just keep trusting the process and just keep enjoying it. I feel like once you stop enjoying it, it, it just doesn't all like come together. I feel like when you're having fun and you're enjoying it, I feel like you could just be you and just have fun and, and play the game and you'll impress yourself. And that's what I did a lot of the times this this uh, spring camp. Okay. So how is the how's the mood of the wide receiver room just in general with all the 
Now in turnover and coaching staffs, most of the offensive line or most of the offensive assistant coaches are new, but you had some transfers out, you've had a transfer in. How's the the attitude of the wide receiver room going forward into the 2022 season? I think it's I think it's really good. Um, I mean, we've always been close. We've always just been together and we stay together, we train together, we do things together. Um, so it's, I feel like it stayed the same. I mean, I think we, we were still close to each other. At first, it was kind of like iffy because we didn't know who was staying, who was going and stuff. So it was kind of like iffy at first. But now um, I feel like it's gotten way better just like during spring where we could, what we all can do. I feel like we just we just have fun out there um, where we always have each other's back when we're out there. Just like if things happen, like fights, for example, you see one of our receivers like coming in and, and backing us up or stepping up. So, I mean, we have a really good relationship with each other, and it's just going to keep getting better. So that's just the start. Okay. Does it make a whole lot of difference for wide receivers? I mean, who the the starting quarterback is going to be? Do you want to have that figured out early in fall camp so that you can get that relationship going? Or is it the ball's in the air? It doesn't really matter who it's coming from. Does it make a difference to you who the starting quarterback is? I think it does just because – like whoever it is, I just want to be on the same page with, with them. So I think it really it it does really matter because when you're on the field and something when the plan is not is not going the right the way you're supposed to or it's like written or the coach called it out, you and the QB have to be on the same page. Okay, so what is Daniel going to do now? What is B. Lou or J. T. going to do now that the someone broke through the line and now he's scrambling? Like what? So it's like we have to be on the same page. And I feel like it's important to know early who that guy's going to be just because it makes a huge difference when you're out there. Okay, so this is going to be your your senior year. You're a team guy, but do you have any personal goals? I mean, what would be a, a great season for you in 2022 personally? Um, so I actually have this on my, my whiteboard. I want to have all honors. I want to be an All-American wide receiver. Um, I want to have 1,500 yards and 20 touchdowns. Okay. That's my goal. And I know it sounds kind of crazy, but uh, it's very doable if, if it goes everything according to the plan that I have. And if I just run the balls in the air, if I just make that play. So it's very doable. But that's my, that's my goal. And I'm going to work hard to, to reach that goal. Okay. Are you going to be playing special teams at all? Yeah, so I'm actually going to be playing a punt. I'm going to be in punt and then punt return. So I'm still going to be doing those roles. So I got to be in some elite shape because on offense, if we don't get that first down, then I have to run, I have to go on punt and then run all the way downfield and then punt return. I got to do that. So I got to be in, in really good shape. So, I mean, that's what I was doing last season. And it was, it was sometimes it was rough. Because sometimes on offense, I'll run a go ball. We didn't get the first down. I'd have to run all the way back, line up into punt, and then run all the way down the field again. <laughs> you say you didn't know that you'd set the uh, single season record for forced fair catches. Do you know how close you are to the career record for forced fair catches at the University of Colorado? They were telling me I need like one more or something. Like yeah. <laughs> 
Ryan Iverson at 27 in his career from 2010 to 2013, and you're sitting at 26. So you're one away from tying and two away from having the record all to yourself. So (laughs) you can get that in the first game and get that out of the way. So uh, be a good goal to, you know, get your name in the record book twice under the uh, miscellaneous statistics under forced fair catches career. Your name would be there. So we talked a little bit about you're the first in your family to get a college degree. You just graduated a couple of weeks ago. How great was it for for your mom and for your family to uh, have you walk across the aisle and get your diploma? You know, my mom was, she was really excited just because everything we've been through till this point, it's just been like, dang, Um, she's a single mom and she raised three kids by herself. And I, I remember at graduation, I was like, I think we were at dinner, I think it was. And I asked her, like, like Mom, how did you, you do it? Like, how did you take care of three kids and make sure we had clothes and, and make sure we had food every single day? And all I remember is that she said it was God that, that helped me. Um, she raised me with that foundation, that solid foundation of being a Christian and having God first. And my, mom, my mom's a really strong woman and I I looked up to, I look up to her a lot and she was she was really happy she was really proud and my brother is also there my sister unfortunately couldn't come because um she was working at the hospital um because she's a nurse and so she couldn't be there but my brother was there and my mom was there and it was a really good it was a really good time I couldn't believe it either because like when they say college goes by fast it goes by fast and I didn't ever think that four years were going to go by that quick so, I mean, it was, I, it didn't, to be honest, it did not hit me until like, I think it was like two weeks ago. I was back in Seattle and I was just sitting in my room and I was like, wow, like I really graduated. Like, <laughs> it really happened because it, it happened so fast that it's like, for me, it didn't hit me until when I was in Seattle, until everything was all like my mind was in racing, like football, I had football in classes and finals and my head was all over the place. So um, once like my head was just chill, no thoughts, nothing, everything just started coming back to my mind. And it's like, wow, like I really did that. Like all those days where I complained about all those papers and all those like projects (laughs) (laughs) and all those those, like exams, it just like, wow. I mean, like, if I could do it and I came through, I went through a hard life just growing up. I feel like everybody can do it. If you just just push yourself, you don't give up. Well, I guess on behalf of the Buff Nation, tell your mom that she done good. Raised a a very nice young man who is going to be an All-American. And then you can go back to the Dominican Republic and try to explain to all your friends (laughs) growing up what it means to be an All-American wide receiver playing for the Pac-12 Colorado Buffaloes. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. This episode and this series of interviews would not have been possible without your kind contributions to the See You at the Game NIL GoFundMe campaign. So thanks to all of you for supporting your CU student-athletes. We're nearing the end of the series, and I hope you found the project to be as interesting and enlightening as I have. I hope that you are subscribing to the podcast so that you won't miss any of the upcoming episodes.
As you hopefully know by now, the podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast sites. Or, if you're not a fan of downloading podcasts, all of the NIL podcast interviews can be listened to at the See You at the Game website. So, until next time, be well, stay safe, and go Buffs! Thank you for listening to our See You at the Game podcast. For links to articles and stories referenced in this podcast, go to cuatthegame.com. That's the letter C, the letter U, at thegame.com. If you have comments or suggestions, you can leave them on the website or send an email to cuatthegame at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow Buff fans. Until next time when we will again see you at the game.